Welcome to Talking Volleyball. I'm Steve Hammond. BJ Leroy and I talk with coaches, players, and others who have a love for the game. Our intended guest today, Dr. Juana Komen, had some technical challenges, so BJ and I talk about how we use our day jobs to inform our coaching. We also talk about tools we use and how we challenge our thinking about coaching on a continuing basis. We cover figuring out what matters for our situations and maybe yours as well. Have a listen. Well, BJ, welcome again. Good morning. Hope you're having a good weekend. Let me put me in the middle of this frame here. Oh, weekend's beautiful. It's um, It's been incredibly nice here so we're doing a lot of stuff outside the uh played golf yesterday poorly but uh still played 18 holes and had a nice time and you know volleyball rolls on as well it's well the middle of our season well my wife is in chicago so she knows your weather she's visiting my son his uh, wife and their four cats I am deathly allergic to cats, so uh, that and some other things I need to do here have kept me out of that. But uh, and uh, I shipped off my uh, my daughter and her kids and her husband to Peru for a christening. So, uh, oh wow! It's, yeah, they're all they're all there. So fun stuff, and uh, we finished a, a heavy week with uh, a little bit of challenge, but. Uh, we we were going to learn. We it was a rough week for us, but then you know the week before that was a pretty good week for us. So yeah, you, you, you know it's they're they're remarkably resilient. They uh, about thirty minutes after we're done, they're on to the next thing. As the coaches are not because we're all thinking about it. We had that uh, we had that once in a terrible or, or no, I'm sorry. Let me say that again that once in a season terrible occurrence which occurs to almost all uh, united states volleyball coaches which is the powder puff football game and uh nobody got hurt that's good <laughs> that's the only thing it's the only thing i care about you know get, get I, through I that thing i thought you were going to go for what i call the wheels fall off game that happens every mm. now and then. And I just, I'm like, you know, it's, oh. it's, it's 23 to 12 and you're just sitting there going, you know, uh, actually I will say I had a, uh, our, our freshman coach had the, the ultimate, um, I, which I, I have not experienced in, in 21 years of coaching, which he, he, he got beat 25 to nothing the other day. Oh yeah. We've had, uh, we've had the wheels off most of the season. So it's, uh, it, it's it's been a little uh, it's been a little hectic at my new gig, so we're uh, we're learning we're learning. Well, uh, I think we're learning. We'll see. Well, we've got a fan, <laughs> I guess. Thanks, Ruben. Thanks yeah. for the comment. Appreciate it. All right, a, a listener. How about that? A li- yeah, no kidding. Well, you know, every now and then. And for our yeah. listeners today, you have some, uh, well, I have some unhappy news for technical, because I'm the technical guy, um, for technical mm. reasons. Uh, we, are not, we are going to be guestless, unless some of our prior guests who have the link to the green room want to join us, and they are welcome to try and connect with us. But in the meantime, the two of us yokels will talk volleyball. Yeah, I think uh, we, we had planned on having Juana Coleman on. She is 
likely having some technical difficulties. Maybe she couldn't get her computer turned on or focused in the right uh, in the right direction. But we have a couple of uh, we have a couple of topics surrounding her um, that we can that we can discuss and um, <clears throat> uh, that uh, I think would be of insight to a lot of coaches. Um, it seems like PhD month. We had uh, we had. Dr. Pete, Pete Wong on last week, Dr. Juana Komen this week, um, all PhDs in nothing to do with volleyball, of course. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then hopefully next week, crossing, crossing my fingers that we can work it out. Uh, I don't, I don't want to tease it yet. Um, but, uh, an, an actual expert in, uh, motor learning that uh, uh, hopefully we can work out a time for uh, for next week. But uh, uh, an expert in the field of sport. So that would be that would be fun as well. Um, not that not that Pete and Juana aren't because they're excellent guests and excellent coaches. Uh, but uh, well, you this, know, you, this you next fun. You mentioned the idea, you know, the, the, I mean, the topic of today was, you know, how do you use your day job in what you do? And, yeah. um, and you know, I, 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 I've had a lot of different um, functional business. I, I, my background is primarily business. I, I got started in chemistry. And my chemistry professors were really happy when I went to business school. Um, they, <laughs> did not, they did not see me as a researcher. Um, and you know, I did finance to start cause it was really analytical, but I had a, a little bit different bent than the, the typical, per, I, you know, in, in my teaching in the last decade or so, it's been, um, helping technically oriented folks relate to, to business and some of the interpersonal things that go along, which has led to executive coaching. And so you could say, oh, well, then you coach executive, you, you know, it's highly related, but that's not how I got here. I got here through a lot of, you know, technical things. And it's why I do this, you know, I have this little studio here, which isn't any great shakes, but it, it works. And also a curiosity about that kind of stuff. And, and just enough analytical to be dangerous. You know, um, right. I think you and I have talked about this. I use, um, actually, I'd like maybe sometime we uh, either, I might independently do something on, um, solo stat one, two, three, there's a couple of different, it's just one tool that I find about at my level, I can capture what I need to capture by myself because I used to club coach and I was the only coach. So, um, I think what I, the reason I do that is, you know, I came out of a, out of a, um, match that we, we got pretty easily beaten this week. And I, I looked at my serving stats and we served 95%. And I wouldn't have told you that if I hadn't gone back and looked at it. I said, because we didn't serve. And I'm like, we didn't serve very well. Well, no, we served great in terms of getting the ball in. Um, then you look at, okay, how many times did we win on our serve? And it was 25%. And I'm like, well, that's not going to work. And uh, then you start looking at, okay, why? What can you do? Um, what's going on? And then you can, you can kind of look at film, but then coaches have limited time to do this. I mean, if you're working, you know, I, my head coach he works a couple of jobs and you know i mean people are pretty busy and they're doing a, yeah. put a lot of time in so how can you get the most for you 
out of what you do. And I, I use those analytical skills. When you're, I've seen some of your really cool analytic work that you do on the, more on the collegiate level, but also at the high school level of, of, of scouting teams and also understanding where your players pass best. Um, what other things, you know, what how have you drawn on your, your background to, to make this work? Uh, yeah, for me, it's, uh, I mean, I'm a, I'm a scientist by training, um, a geologist and there's a lot of, uh, there's just a lot of analytical work that goes in. Um, I think it, I think more than the science part of it, it's the curiosity. So for me in volleyball, what matters? <laughs> and that's, that's what I've said to you know, my new coaching staff, I'm, I'm an assistant with this, the, the group I'm working with now, like we have to figure out what matters, what matters to winning the match. So, I mean, obviously serve and pass matters. Can we put the other team in, you know, can we put the other team in a, in a bad situation more often than they put us in a bad situation and serve? Um, can we rally, you know, is, is there a way for us to play the game better? Uh, because when you, when you start taking the stats, at least at my level, and, and I can speak to, I don't know, maybe about rank 200 level or so division one and, and then, um, uh, division one college. And then Division One uh, high school, which is the top level of high school, it, it, we're we're about we're less than a third serve and serve receive. Then we're a small amount of first ball side out, and then it's mostly rally. So we need to. <laughs> I mean, number one, we need to we need to first ball side out more often obviously, because if we're not getting a lot of first ball side out stats, that means we're not siding. Uh, but, but you get into the rally often. So you have to figure out ways in practice to get into the rally and then also to measure in the rally, what are we doing? How do we, you know, how are we siding or not siding? How are we scoring in the rally? How are we finishing a rally? Um, so, so to me, that's, that's probably the stuff that's most important. Um, as a coach though, I mean, there's going to be other stuff. Can we get our block up? Can we, are we attacking the middle of the block? Are we attacking against the fringe of the block? Are we attacking the line or the angle or the middle of the court? You have to figure out those things, uh, on your own by doing that analysis. So I, I think that's for me, that's probably how I use my day job, you know, to, to get into, to get into what the team is, is doing and how we're succeeding. Um, that's hard, you know, I mean, that's, yeah. that's, it's hard to even think about some of that stuff. Yeah. I was thinking about uh, when you said, put your block up. So I've got, I've got one, middle who can play middle yeah, i mean she's raw but she can play middle and she blocks well uh she, and I, i've just been encouraging her to play above the net because she's at the stage where sometimes a ball will come over and it'll be near the net 
and she'll drop down and take an underhand pass instead of going up and getting it. So she's starting to get that. She's going to be fine. Then I've got my second middle is just starting to figure out the timing I'm blocking. She's pretty consistently late, but we've been working on that. And then she said, oh, I have choir this week, so I can't be at two of the three matches. I'm like, okay, gotcha. So then I bring my third middle in, who's a lefty. Which is, you know, so we're working on lefty approach for a middle so she can get herself in a good position. And uh, a couple other things. And she is, you know, like late, late. Like, a, you know, ball's way gone by the... But she's, she's starting to time it. And then I tried a fourth person. And, and the priority is, these are the four kids on my team who can get their hands above the net. The remainder of my team cannot <laughs> get their hands above the net. So... It's a, you know, I, some days I beat myself up and then I go, well, okay, we've got some, and, and my, my kids who can't get their hands above the net, when I go and tell them to get in blocking positions, they're like, coach, I can't block. Like, yeah, okay, well, let's work on showing the block, be there and then drop off and cover. You know, so we're doing something a little bit more representative because amazingly you might grow or you might be able to jump a little higher next year or whatever. But, but I mean, they're fair point. My my number two setter, who's listed at five six, she's not five foot. I don't think it's just <laughs> somebody put her in there at five six, and I'm like, come on, you know. And uh, great kid, works hard. She plays. She's the freshman setter, so she comes up and doesn't practice with us very often. And God love her, she just comes in and does her job, you know. Um, and uh, that this week, one thing I I, I hate to jump into this. Because I, no, I don't want to go far. I'm not going to go far with it. But the inconsistency of how doubles are called is, uh, is just, it's, it's unfortunate. I mean, basically, you, I prepare them for it. I'm like, look, you, whatever it is, it's going to be. We, we're not going de- to debate it. We're just going to play. But we had both ends of the spectrum this week. So it was kind of like in, in, you know, one set of officials, pretty much everything went. Um, and some of them, I, 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 you know, a couple of the officials, I really liked what they were trying to do. You could tell that they were looking for the right things. They weren't looking for spin. They weren't. They were looking. Did you know what was the contact at the same time? And I, I wouldn't debate any of them. It's just it's it. You know, you can see the the difference in level, and it it affects the game and the girls' psyche. Um, right. The good news is, um, I think I've insulated them pretty well from that. But it is a shame that it's it's such a problem, and uh, and I I feel for the officials um, because you know it's uh, it, it it's it's just it's difficult, it, and so as coaches, I think we just have to train the critique of it out of our our players, our parents, our crowds, you know. Don't debate it because it's you're not gonna you're just not gonna change it. If you if you really want to change it, you think it's really yeah. bad, call your assigner. And say, I think this official is doing it incorrectly. But the answer is probably they are not. They're probably doing fine. It's just there. It's a, it's a judgment call. Yeah, I think the better way to train it is in practice. There are so many coaches, and and we're guilty of this at my current job and my last job and the one before that. None of us has a whistle. You know, we don't have a whistle in our hands, so we're playing, and uh, somebody might have a questionable ball. And we don't call it. We yeah, just let the play point. go on. So if if you want to get better at doubles as a coach, call them. yeah, get your whistle. And the same thing with net, because we're struggling right now with this net issue. And I've seen it in practice a whole bunch 
we're in the net, nobody cares, we play on. Like, you know, mm-hmm. as soon as you're in the net, the play is over. So I, I think uh, I need to work on, I mean, particularly in my role as, I don't know what I'm, I don't know what they would call me, advisor or something to the coaches. I'm like, we got to get some whistles on. And when there's a violation, we need to blow the violation and start over, regardless of if we had played a good rally or not. Yeah. Um, hey, that's a double or that's a net. And then I think they can get two things out of it. They learn how to deal with it. And second thing is they learn, oh, that was a double. I need to change something. Or that was a net. I need to change something. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, um, you know, that, that that is something we don't do. We let them play. The, you know, when we talked about this, um, you know, I got the rope back out this week and we did some uh, small court singles and doubles and trying to, you know, work on that. Yeah. Um, been doing a lot more serve, receive and um, and uh, using one of the solo stat tools in practice to measure them um, because I wanted some data. I wanted to be able to go back and say, OK. Here's why these players are playing, uh, and and not not to justify it, but just to tell me, am I missing something? Is somebody passing better than I think they are? Um, and then we have a couple boy managers who are a little tougher servers, so we bring them over and have them serve at us. But um, the, you know, the the thing I'm I'm probably going to work on this week uh, is um, I don't think I've given them a sufficient goal for what a good pass should look like. I, I'm not a real big fan of the perfect pass because it, there isn't one. Yeah. Um, but, um, I, you know, I, I was reading, I, I kind of like the idea of, I'm trying to figure out a good way to elevate a hula hoop for them to have the ball fall through, um, <laughs> you know, because yeah. I'd like it to be more elevated and I'd like them to, you know, see the, I think they know, but to really understand the difficulty they put the setters in, I, I'd say half of our doubles, are because they've put the setter in an awful position that, you know, they're just, they're going to have to reach out in front of them to set a ball because they can't get there as fast and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I don't know. Yeah, you bring up a great point. Uh, and we talk about this, like with my, we uh, talk about this with my rec kids that are third and fourth, fifth and sixth grade, and then the high school kids, varsity, and also with the college players. I was constantly asking them, how can you tell if your last action, whatever it was, in this case, you're talking about passing, sometimes it's setting. Um, how can you tell if your last action was good? And they, they look at you like, what do you mean? You know, we, as coaches, uh, one of the first things that I want to tell a team is if you have one coach and 12 players, uh, that's, um, the, the coach can put 10 minutes on your, uh, on you. So you have 110 minutes during your practice where you have to coach yourself. So yeah. how can you tell if you're doing a good job in passing? It's easy. You pass a ball. If the setter can just stand there <laughs> and, and, uh, wait for it, it's a good pass. If the setter has to run wildly and they don't have all of their options, what was your judgment? Like, oh, yeah. bad pass. Yeah, of course. So, so that's, 
you know, for me, that's how I, that's how I work those players. And the same thing with, um, and not so much setters, but out of system setting. Yeah. When we're out of system, when we have to bump set or somebody other than the setter has to bump set or set, how can you tell that that set was good enough? Well, if the hitter can take a big swing at it, or if they have all their options available, it was a great set. If they can't, it was a bad set. Or maybe the hitter wasn't ready. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We, we, we coach it on both ends. You know, yeah. come on, hitters, let's get ready. We're, we're working on our setters getting the ball there, right? Yeah. So I, I think that's a big part of it is being able to coach themselves. Um, it, another way that we do a setter is just as, as long as we're talking about this is uh, back setting for, for young setters is difficult. Yeah. The ball comes in, you set the ball, judge the set whether it's inside or outside the antenna, too tight, too far off, too high, too low, you judge it and then look. But first judge so that you can link what you felt to what you thought. Right? Yeah. So I set a ball like, ooh, that's way outside. You turn around and look, yeah, sure enough, it was too far outside. So I need to make an adjustment. That's just linking the perception. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, Because I know when I'm doing, like if I'm doing just drill stuff and I'm I'm not a big drill fan, but that's setting's not a bad skill to see some drill just for a little bit of consistency so they get the feel for things. You know, Um, we'll do a setting triangle. And um, I have not asked my setters to think about it. I I, The the person who's the target, who's taking the, the ball in the triangle, catching the ball in the triangle, on a back set or any set is asked to give them feedback, you know, tight, off, good, um, you know. The, so we give them some cue words and they give them. But actually, I haven't given them the, when you release it, you tell me what you think you're going to hear. Right. And and just planting that thought doesn't change the, the drill at all, but it changes the potential for retaining it and to getting that feeling. You know, I, I look at the setters I have, particularly my my older setter, and she doesn't use good mechanics. So um, when she's setting, very often her body's going back as her arms are going forward. You know, small wonder that it's difficult for her to get a four ball all the way out there, but it's also, with that motion, getting a back set is hard to do. Um, not that we have a lot of you know, I'm not in the, the right now I'm in the uh, right sides are my developmental players as opposed to my power players, you know, kind of thing. But still, I want to get them a ball so they can develop. You know, they need to get a swing. And, right. and they actually have done fairly well lately when they do get a swing. They don't get a lot of them, but when they get them, they they make them count. Um, uh, and in our making count, they score. They don't look pretty yet, but that's fine. Um, and... I think that's, you know, we're going to be working on that kind of getting your feet, getting, getting a push off, getting your lower body to help you set um, when you can. And when you can't, what to do. Um, I teach, I forget where I got them. I don't forget what clinic I got this, but the, the idea of when you're off balance um, and you've got to get some power, just accelerate the, the, accelerate the motion from your elbows on. 
you know, just get that, that final push from the elbows to yeah, the hands, sure. just make it fast, just make it fast. Yeah, sure. yeah. Um, and, uh, we, we did, we ran into a, a, a deep dish setter this week. I hadn't seen one in a while. Uh, and that was interesting. My girls were like, I can't believe she doesn't get called. I'm like, well, she does it consistently, but she was bringing them down to, you know, below her chin and really, mm-hmm. ca- you know, catching and throwing the ball. But you know what? It was consistent and clean and lots of control. And you know what? It doesn't matter where you touch it. It yeah. only matters if it comes out, you know, as a single attack. And yeah. uh, there's, there's nothing in the rules about below your chin. You know, nope, that's all made up stuff. Yeah, no, I, well, I'd say that's true. For me, it's like, okay, that ball was pretty, that was in there a long time, extended contact. But, yeah. you know, but I, I tell them, look, practically speaking, I've been doing this a long time. If you can do that and you do it the same way every time, there's hardly a ref that'll call it. I've, I, now I have seen some. I had a kid who had really, really, um, lo- she was a tiny kid and had just lots and lots of flexibility in her wrist and not a lot of strength yet. And we went to the, the old National Invitation Tournament, you know, the one for girls that you could go, kind of like club division for boys now. And we went and, you know, the, the last day we got two old school refs that called her on every touch. She finally couldn't i mean you know uh, it was like you know come on we've gone through the whole four days and now this poor kid's reduced to tears because you're going to blow a whistle on every set you know i'm like ah but it happens and you just kind of have to figure out and pick her up and get somebody else in to help her out and we did you know it happens but i think that's building uh again i think it's in in practice it's building the the uh one dollar to dan mickle here the mental flexibility to somebody doesn't like the motion that you're using so Do you have to else. change it yeah yeah you gotta change it you, gotta, you have to have that flexibility that range um you know i mean i i keep i keep preaching that i keep saying it over and over the yeah. range to me is the biggest thing right now is you have to you have to be able to do this and do that and do them both yeah. In order to well, succeed, that's volleyball. I'm smiling because I'm just thinking about the 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 one you see coming. You're sitting there as a coach, and your team's you know scrambling in a rally, and you realize you're going to have to free ball it over, and you see one of your less experienced, less skilled players going to 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 push the ball over with two hands, and you're going, oh, here comes the double. <laughs> you know, it's like they throw their hands at the ball. I'm like. Oh, you know, I said, you know, they can't call it double if you use one hand, uh, you know, and they're like, <laughs> and, yeah. and uh, you know, it's like, okay, well, uh, I think a lot of it is you, you mentioned this earlier in the pre-show, which is the habits that you get from playing as a young player without the power to do things and without the ball being at the speed that they see later, like, I need to put a lot of power into the ball to get it up because it's slow and I need to swing at it. And then when they move up and they don't need to swing, they don't know how to not swing at a ball and to control it. Um, that, that double thing is the same thing. I see kids who feel like they have to throw their hands at the ball to make it go, or they have to take three or four steps to serve the ball and, um, they wind up, um, you know, mistiming the ball because they're, they, you know, when they were younger to get an overhand over, they had to take four steps. They thought, 
And you, you go, no, you don't have to take any steps. It's really simple. We can make it the simplest motion ever. And I, that, yeah. those are interesting. That's where, um, that's where this idea of self-organization comes in. And, uh, there's some, obviously there's some critics of this idea, but, uh, I mean, time and time again, we see that people learn to adapt to the situation they're in. So for us, if you have a kid, like take the kid that's, that's taken four steps to serve and she's 16 and she's, you know, uh, strong enough and able enough, then that's where the coaching comes in. So, Hey, look, let's test this with just one step. Or if you want to take four steps, toss the ball in the air and jump and hit it rather than, uh, you know, taking this walking up and standing because there's no reason for you. So I think there are some suggestions that you can make based on what you've seen with other players. Um, can, can you get them to explore something and help them self-organize? And it's the same thing with the passing when they're younger kids and the ball is looping over, whether it's underhand or sidearm or whatever, they have to, they have to put a little bit more juice on the balls. We say it, you gotta, you gotta swing your arms a little bit more and you get all these coaches saying, take it midline and use your legs. And I mean, all that is garbage. It, it doesn't, as you get older, you're not going to be able to take every ball midline and using your legs that are less coordinated than your arms, your, your legs can give it some power but your arms are the coordinated part of your body. So the arms are going to get the ball to where it's Well, going. you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to push back on that a little bit because right. getting, get, get, no, if it's a fair point, but I think without them understanding how to get their legs in a, a better position, they, they can get in, you know, I mean, you, you've seen this and I, 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 I doubt you do this anymore, but I still do it. I'll get them and I'll, I'll line their feet up incorrectly. Like when they're in a straight line, like they're reaching forward with one leg. And then I'll say, just freeze that. Let me push you. And they fall over. And then you go, okay, now if you get stable, um, how does that help you pass? Now, do you need to elevate your legs to pass? No, unless you need to put power into it. But I would rather, if a, if a young kid's got to put power in, I would much rather them use their legs than swinging their arms if they can do it. Mm. But if they're be, only because, because you can maintain a better angle, you're not going to change the angle. Because once the ball gets faster and you're swinging through an arc, if your timing's not perfect, we don't know where that ball's going to go. I mean, there's, mm. you're, you know, so... To me, it's. I think there's a need to do some basics on uh, on like shuffle footwork. It's not common in other sports. It you know maybe you know I've been watching a little bit on tennis. Um, only you know kind of the split step um, for playing a ball in tennis, and I'm trying to incorporate that thinking process to get it ready for a hit. And um, you know at least they're aware of it. They don't do it as much as I would like them to do it, uh, if at all. But I think the concept of, okay, just before she hits, I want to load up so I can move and I can move in any direction. Um, it's same thing. Get, you know, it's, it's, it's just, I actually, my, my watchwords this week were get ready and reach high. That's all I wanted them to do. I wanted them to get ready for every ball. I wanted them to reach high as much as they could. 
Um, and that for us at this point, that will make us better players at this level. Now there'll be other things later. <laughs> you know, it's going to be get up there and, you know, get the, attack the ball. Um, but right now, if we can meet the ball high and if we can get ready for every attack or get ready for every, I saw <laughs> we had one play. I God love my setter. She tough ball gets to it, puts a perfect four ball out there. There's nobody there. Like what, you know, they call a timeout and like, what's going on with that? Um, and, uh, I said, so, you know, um, you got to listen. And, and, and the, the kid said, I called a four ball. I'm like, you were nowhere near where the four, four ball is going to be set. Why did you call a four ball? You were like me where the middle is. She said, uh, I don't know. I'm like, okay, well, next time don't, um, you know, and that kind of stuff. Uh, so, you know, you're, you're sitting there going, oh man, nice set. <laughs> And, and it's just like, you know, nobody home. So I don't know. Um, it's trying to, f it, it is an interesting as a coach. We, we sometimes may sound like we know stuff. And then I came back from this week on, there is so much I have to rethink about how to get the most to how to help these girls make the most progress in the least amount of time. I, 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 you know, I, as I looked at it this week, I'm like, yeah, these are, these are on the coach. And that's me. So I got to hold myself accountable to try to find better ways for them to pass the ball better and to be where they need to be defensively better. And that's going to be some of my focus. Yeah. And I'm, uh, I'm, I'm jumping into a conversation that hopefully we're having in a couple of weeks um, or maybe next week as coaches, we often coach the ending rather than the beginning you know, we're, we're coaching. This is how you have to put your arms or this is how you have to put your feet. And often the, what happened before that action was going to help you more. Mm -hmm. So if you saw what was happening, if you read the play, uh, you could, uh, again, we're talking about self-organization. You could organize your, self in a way you're in a situation and how do I get myself in this situation to that point? Because, you know, as, as people say, uh, and, and there are a lot of people <laughs> push back on this, every, every ball that comes over is different. There's a, there's an infinite number of ways that ball is going to come over. It's never going to be exactly the same. You have to be able to play them all if you want to be successful. So we have to learn that range. And the only real way to learn that range is to, is to learn how to be flexible and to, to organize yourself into the coordination of taking that ball and getting it to where you want it to go. Right. So I, yeah. whether it's, you can't say to a kid, Hey, you, you got to push more with your legs or your arms are swinging or, I mean, you can, you can make some of those suggestions. But I think to have a, I think to have a hard, fast rule is yeah. not allowing them to explore. I, I think I, and I think that the, the I, I don't want to even characterize this as a middle ground. It's just the thought process I have around it these days is I need to show them kind of how it looks, um, how it, you know, how it can be effective and have them figure out for them. You know, they, this goes back to our, our, our session with Lauren and talking about the, the, the sitting team and, you know, 
hey, coach, can you help me with my platform? I'm like, well, you know, you've got like one arm. Um, no, you know. Um, can't. Yeah, it's like uh, I can try. You know, in fact, we did a little bit of one arm passing this week just to show people that, you know, okay. Um, there was It was a progression I found that I thought, okay, this is interesting. You know, one arm pass and then bring the other arm to it if you can and two arm pass, but get that that out there arm out there. Uh, because, you know, at this stage, we get a lot of the put the arms, lock them, and then swing them out there. And by the time you do that, it's, you know, points over and, you know, the balls, God knows it's in the back of the gym. But I think that they need to have some models. It's like if you were to go and learn a golf swing. If you, somebody said, here are golf clubs, here's a ball, there's a hole 300 yards away, go hit the ball there. Not really enough guidance to help you with um, with learning that how to do that well. You, I mean, you might come up with the Fosver, Fosbury flop out of it because nobody told you that you had to go over the ball, you know, over the the the, uh, the bar face down. But you know, the the bottom line is you're probably not going to create a whole new way to hit a golf ball. So giving them a little bit of model and then showing them that there are variations and that every body is different. And that's cool. You know, I think that works. Um, but I think giving them an, an idea of how it could be done effect more effectively through a model, it could be showing them somebody who's passing well, say, try to be more like this. Well, how do I do that? Yeah, coach? Suggestions. Yeah. suggestions. Yeah. You know, consider this. That's the mm -hmm. way that I continue to put it to players. Um, you think you want to be better. You know, you're this right now. You want to be better. Here's my suggestion. You explore this. You explore mm -hmm. that. And find the ability, find the range within those couple of suggestions. What you're doing now versus what I'm suggesting, find the range within there that's going to help you be successful. And that's... Yeah. Uh, that's that's where I'm going a lot with players now. I'm I'm giving thought to and and I, I think it's going to be more difficult than I than I think to find clips. But I, I'm I want to start to put together a library of clips of here's here's an example of somebody playing good defense. Yeah. Here's a, an example of somebody and and to just have that ready library for them to to grab and keep it brief, not 20 minutes on passing, but um, you know here here's a here's a good form pass on a hard or here's a great dig on a hard driven ball. And, and here's, here's a good play on a free ball because those mess you up as much as anything uh, or a short serve, you know, it's uh, you know, those are things you got to get a feel for. I, I think it's delicate when you start doing that. And, okay. and I use that, I use that idea too. Uh, if you go out to YouTube and you find um, the one that comes to my mind right away is uh, 133 digs in in two minutes. And they show all these digs by professional players. Every single one of them is different. Right. So, so for me, if I'm going to show examples like that, I want to show them this range of examples you can do this you can do that you have you know there's this wide array of things you can do and you need to experiment with them that's why for me and in our gym that's why touches are so important if you're playing doubles and you're getting touches 
and you're figuring out what are all the different ways that I can make the ball go here where I need it to be so that my setter can set it so that I can hit it. Uh, I just, I, I think that's, uh, I think that's a, a really important piece of what we're doing as coaches. Cause yeah. you know, well, you know, now you give me, you gave me the idea and we're going to ha- handle Ruben's question here in a second, uh, or comment here in a second. But, um, you know, I'm thinking, um, the kind of thing I need to add is I need to, I need to go and say, I, we're going to play speed ball where you lose the point if you don't put the ball where the setter would be in, in, a, in a game. Like that point's gone. If you don't, if you don't make that first pass to the spot, you know, the, you know, and I mean, for me, I'm happy 10 foot line, let's say three feet off the net to 11 feet off the net on the right hand side (laughs) of the court. I'll take that. I can all day long. We can run that. Um, but if you don't put it there, you're done. Go next group. Um, and, uh, I have not put that constraint on, but as I'm thinking about it, that's, you know, maybe we even do speedball threes. So we've got kind of a three person receive where you've got to put the ball there and make sure. it really look like what we do. Um, so, but Ruben's got a comment here. So let's see. Isn't yeah. That... Is there, is, is a great comment. Is there a technical framework a coach can provide to give to the athlete? Well, certainly you can get to, um, I think you can get to a beginning point. And my example of this is always, um, you know, middle, middle defense. Is middle, middle defense a perfect defense? No, there is no perfect defense. But it's a good starting point. You start at middle, middle, and then you start making the adjustments from that point to make the plays that you need to make. And it's the same thing with passing or with attacking. You know, if you're if you're passing and say you're swinging your arms like crazy, hey, let's let's uh, see if we can swing our arms less and just uh, not a whole. And I don't know if this is the appropriate uh, uh, example anymore, but we say just take an aspirin, not the whole bottle. You know. If I ask you to swing your arms a little bit less, let's just swing them a little bit less and see what happens. Yeah. Or can you reach a little bit farther before you touch the ball? We don't want you to go another four steps. Just make a small adjustment and see what happens. And that's that's where the exploration comes in. I think that's where I think that's the the great point that Ruben's making here is you can give a sort of a basic uh, idea, you know, we want to use our arms to pass (laughs) and then teach them that it's okay to reach to your left, reach to your right, reach low, reach high. And they have to explore with all that, all that variation. Yeah. I think the other thing I'm looking to do is to find more examples that look like them. I mean, you know, it, I don't need to show them, Orante's digging, you know, it's like, no, I don't think that's really going to help. Um, I think, um, but seeing, you know, another, a high, you know, or even decent level, not even super high level high school team play and show what they're doing, um, as opposed to what we're doing 
to allow us to think about, uh, okay, how can we improve that? What's, you know, find, find somebody doing a, a good looking pass and say, you know, I mean, one of the things we are working on pretty consistently is, hey, get ready and see, see the, the, uh, the, the server's arm at least, you know, focus on that arm. Um, right. You know, uh, I was in a I'd match. Them, yeah. So for me, I wouldn't just show them one. Right. I'd show them 15. You know, look how she did it this way. Look how she did it that way. Sure. Look at this one, this one, this one, this one. And what are the things that are common? And what are the things that are different? You know, how do we, uh, how do we, again, how do we build that range? How do we, how do we do that? I mean, it all, well, how do we the get them thing. to build that range for themselves is your point. And yeah. I think it's a really, yeah. you know, how do you set them up for that as well? Thanks Ruben for the comment, because, you know, I Great wish comment. I had the magic answer. If I did, I'd be doing something else, but, um, right. you know, but, uh, I think it is think these are things that we commonly struggle with and, and, um, you actually, you'll find when you go out and want to coach for a club or coach for a program, you're going to find definite philosophies from the coaching staff and they well, maybe I, my experience of late has been that, uh, drill based, making it look nice, um, is more common than, uh, training ugly. If you want to kind of give ourselves a name, uh, and on the girls side, yeah, the girls side yeah, sure. yeah. And, um, you know, I think knowing that if you're a coach who really wants to embrace some of this stuff, and, and again, I don't embrace every bit of the kind of random school, but I, I'm lit over my career. I've been just listening to people with ideas and then listening to people who've scientifically worked on those ideas. Um, but I also know that we all thought ulcers weren't caused by bacteria years ago. And we thought the guy in Australia who figured it out was a nut and turns out not so much. So, you, you know, a little degree of skepticism and self doubt, isn't the worst thing in the world for a coach. Oh yeah. I a hundred percent agree with you. I have some pretty strong beliefs. Uh, I've, I believe that I've examined every part of what I'm coaching and how I'm coaching um, from the psychology of uh, dealing with winning and losing right down to how do you how do you put your feet when you pass? And I'm waiting for I, I'm inviting somebody to prove me wrong. <laughs> you know, like I want to be proven wrong because I want to learn. Um, one of my favorite ones was, uh, this is going back four or five years ago. I was talking about, uh, blocking and the way to make your block bigger is to turn your hands out sideways when you block. And, uh, Dave McKenzie is a, you know, pro player played professionally on the beach and indoor as well. Um, he came in and he said, uh, you put your hands like that. If somebody really hits your thumbs, they're going to break them. So it's dangerous. So then I started digging into, okay, what's a stronger hand position? Is it better to have your hands outside or inside? Or And, and Dave, you know, whether he did the research or not, I don't know, <laughs> but he's right. If your wrists are nice and straight rather than turned sideways, 
your hands are a lot stronger and you're a lot less apt to be injured. Then you have to figure well, out how to be bigger. Right, well, from there. The interesting, and, and the interesting thing about that, and, and, you know, I've always, I've always, ta- and I had an assistant last year who was thumbs up and I, you know, I'm like, just put your index fingers straight up, just natural reach for the ball. Um, and, um, you know, uh, and every coach has made the motion on the, the ball that gets tooled out of it on the side of holding their hand sideways a little bit. Let's see, get it in the frame. Right. right. You know, and that's, yeah, it's kind of, I, I actually like the thought process of reaching a little bit farther with your outside hand if you can. But the one thing that I hadn't thought about till a couple of years ago was the idea of the farther away you are from the block, from, from, sorry, from the attack as a blocker, the wider your hand should be. And it's just yeah. geometry. It's just like, look, right. if you look at the geometry of a wall and you, you know, picket fence, let's say, um, and you can have the slats farther apart, um, further away because the ball's going to intercept those and the, 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 the open space is much smaller, you know, right. from an angle perspective. So we haven't, we haven't really used that this year with the boys. I really want to try and use that more, um, right. You know, we're, we're at the point where we, I think we can do that. Um, we were not <laughs> until this year. And a good point to what you're saying is that has to be measured. Like, if if you want to if you want to figure out how far apart do we put our hands let's measure it our hands were this far apart our hands were this close where were we having more success we yeah. know that we know uh through measurement that it's best to have two blockers up on time that are next to each other now there's a lot of coaches that are screaming, close the block, close the block, close the block. Agreed. Yet, if you close the block and if you go up after the ball has gone by, your block is worthless. So we've measured now. If the block is somewhat apart, it's better to have the block up on time sure. than it is to have the block closed and up late. Yeah. And so, there's some intuitive, that that's almost, almost intuitive, but, but yeah, you're right. Not really. Well, not really. Well, no, I, I, block. well, I think, let me put it this way. It should tell you, it, it may not be intuitive um, in terms of what you teach. I think I get, I put it this way. The argument goes like this. Um, Yes, you'd like to have the block closed, but if you're spending your effort and your touches at getting it closed as opposed to getting it up on time, you're using your your time inefficiently because, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, because on time matters the most. Um, and closed on yeah. time is great, but if you had to pick one to have and to focus on, it would be on time. And, you know, and then, th- then if you can get on time, close, God love you. And, uh, yeah. you know, uh, you know what, I, I th- it occurs to me that I need to be reading these because when we put this into podcast form, no one will know what Ruben has been saying. Ruben has been commenting as we go along. And, uh, well, that's what I read. Yeah, that's yeah. what I read is a well, lot. You, yeah, you did there. last time, but I, I've been really, so I'm going to just, his comment here is, is he's been shifting to grills-based practices for his female athletes. 
It was tough to get them to change their mindset. Yeah, I believe that. As they were previously trained doing feel-good drills. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's they impossible. Got it. I mean, it's, it's the hardest season ever. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember complaining to Kessel after I took his I took his course in 1994. And then I came back and said to our varsity, all right, hey, we're going to this this is the way you're going to train now. And they hated it. I mean, it was a mutiny. They could not stand the fact that they were getting to play games the whole time. Yeah. We're playing. That was supposed to be the reward after a lot of drills. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, we need some drills. We want something like, no, we're not doing that anymore. We're, we're out of that business. And it was, uh, it was a mutiny. So for me, now, when I work with coaches, I often say, look, <laughs> some of the drills, if if we've convinced you that these drills are not as efficient, move as fast as you think you can <laughs> to keep your team with you and start yeah. weeding some of those yeah. drills out. A lot of it, though, Steve, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, our our team now, the team I'm on, they like to bowl the ball over. Uh, they're bowling over to the other side. Like, look, let's just instead of bowling it, let's serve it. Even right. if even if we stand at 15 feet, let's serve it so that they have to see the server and react to it. Yeah. And then you know the same with hitting lines. So we're doing a hitting line. Okay. Rather than the left side hitter standing out of bounds, ready to hit, which is so unrealistic. Right. Stand inside the court, see the serve, even if you aren't going to get it, even if we're serving the the libero every time you got to stand inside the court, see the serve transition Transition. to get outside and then hit because it's realistic. I mean, it's, I, I I don't know how people understand. It's one of the first things Mike taught me was his available drill. And we warm up with it every match and the ball comes over. And a lot of teams do this now, um, but they didn't when I first started. And, you know, you got three people at the net, they all transition. Yeah. We don't serve it over. We give them a ball over because we want to get, we want to run something. We get a pass, we get a set and they all, if you get the ball, you, the next person goes, if you don't get the ball, you go and transition again. You know, not, uh, we don't, add, we haven't had cover to it. We probably ought to. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, um, it, uh, it's, it, you know, it's funny. Um, I'm right at the point where I'm starting to get them to trust me. Part of it is we've had this person in working with them on, um, um, on, I won't say it's mental training like we would see from Dan, but she's been working with some, she's more of an interventionalist because we've had some problems from carryover from last year's, there was a lot of, a lot of trauma last year, um, and not from the pandemic. Yeah. So, so they, they were working on that and I think they've made a lot of we got some toxicity that i think they've reduced quite a bit and people have come to grips with so i think that's great um i'm kind of at the point where most of my players trust me and i realize there's a couple reasons for that one is they know me better uh two was we won a few matches which helped uh three is they now all have roles 
you know, I know who my passers are right now. Now that could change and they know it can change, but they know what they know when they're going to play. They know what they're going to do. They understand. I think they, they reasonably understand where their weaker players are, are weaker and stronger players are stronger. But this past week, some of the stronger players had a not so great performance week. So they, you know, probably, um, are starting to think about, could I be doing something else? And maybe so. Um, but I think well, you're also uh, consistent as hell. I mean, well, I mean, you're the model of consistency. So that gives them some comfort, right? Yes. But it takes time for that to happen. You know, it's like my, it's a- my middle who was doing the swim move before she would approach and that, you know, I, initially when I tried to approach her on it, she was really resistant, super resistant. Like, this is what I do. This is what I'm comfortable with. I'm like, okay. And I've found the best thing to do with that is to let it go for a little bit. And then something in her mind clicked and she's, and she started working on it. Well, it was better than me giving her any feedback on it. She's like, I think, you know, the other day she says, I think I've really gotten rid of most of that. I'm like, yes. And I think I can help you get even better because there's some other things we can do to make even better approach and a better hit. Um, but yeah, you have, you have, you've done a great job on your own. Um, so, you know, had I forced it, I, you know, I, I, all I did with her is I said, I I think maybe you could trust me a little more now. Cause I, I I wasn't telling you that because I was trying to be mean or something. I told you that because I thought it would make you better and you know, it's helped. So, um, it takes a while for that to happen. It does. I, I think, uh, I think one of the biggest things and, and going back to the comments that we were receiving before the players are going to if if they want to be successful they're going to move toward success they're not going to move toward failure so we could run all these pretty drills and they get in the game and they're going to do or attempt at least what's going to make them most successful and you could tell them, this is how you have to hold your arms. You got to hold your arms this way. And, you know, midline is a perfect example. You have yeah. to pass midline, have to pass midline. In the game, if they can't pass midline and they have to reach to their left and they pass it successfully, not only is the player going to get their, uh, their reward, the coach is going to back it up with, wow, that was a great pass. There's not many coaches. There aren't many coaches. They're going to say, well, you, you passed that well, but it wasn't midline. Right. So we need to change that. Right. You know, and that's, that brings us back to the self-organization idea. You know, they're, they're just going to do what they find success in. So for us, I think as coaches, we need to help guide them towards some things that maybe, maybe we know uh, are more successful. Yeah, and I think the the last thing of that is is you know setting them up for if they're do if they're successful at doing things at their level that they're kind of I'm going to characterize it a little um, they're getting away with because of the level or um, because of the um, competition um, then it's on us as coaches to set them up for situations game like situations where you can't get away with it where you need, um, a little better preparation or you need a little better, um, uh, uh, anticipation of the angle you need. 
in order to get away with it. You know, if you find them, hey, great emergency swing, fantastic. But if the emergency, like, it had this had this girl who had called a four ball who was in the middle of the court made a left arm swing to get the ball over and it went over for a kill, I'd celebrate it for sure. But, you know, you weren't where your setter gave you a perfect ball to hammer and, you know, and do something good with. And we don't get that many of those. We're going to try to get more. But right now, boy, if you call a four ball, you're making a commitment. And yeah, okay, it's, it's, it's one touch, no big deal. Just let's, let's learn from it. Yeah, agreements. I agree. Uh, we're getting down to the end of our yep. hour, so we probably talk about Juana since she didn't get on our uh, podcast today That's okay. for whatever uh, battery was dead or uh, well, we'll get we'll 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 figure out another time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it, the reason I want to have her on was a couple. Um, one, again, she's a scientist, also a geologist. Uh, so that was uh, a little different me. geologist than you, I think. A little bit more, um, a little bit out more of this expert. World? Yeah, way out of this world. Um, she studied uh, remote sensing on the moon as part of her PhD. So if you don't know what that means, uh, go and Google. Um, but it, it, one of the neat things about Juana, um, I met her. Uh, I went to one of the major, major, you know, being a weird word, but one of the one of the big, well-known um, clinics, national clinics that go on. And I was walking around with uh, with uh, Kessel because we knew each other, and I was driving him that week, and it was just doing a little bit of evaluation of this clinic. Is this, is this good? Does this work? Can it fit into the USAB idea? And this, uh, this girl comes walking up and no, hi, hello. How are you doing? My name is, she just starts peppering me with questions, <laughs> you know, I'm like, love it. All right. So she's asking question after question after question. And I watched her do that with a couple of different people that weekend. And, and I did the same thing. I mean, Hugh McCutcheon was there. Um, I just, I, he was to me at the time was uh, an incredible, well, and it's still an incredible coach. I just walked up to him and said, Hey, you know, how you doing? I should have wore my Wisconsin stuff. Cause I see you're wearing Minnesota now, you know? Um, and uh, Carl McGowan, the same. Um I, I had breakfast with Carl McGowan a couple mornings at that clinic. So now everybody knows what, what clinic it was, but I mean, we just sat down the two of us talking about different volleyball things. And, and I, the point is, even if you're what I would say, shy, you know, some other people would say, um, would have different words for it, but just walk up to one of these coaches and ask a question. I've seen it so many times. I, I, I had a player or not a player. I had a, another coach that was with me at high performance. And she said, you know, I have this question that I want to ask Karch. Like, well, let's go ask him. It's like, well, we can't go ask him. Like, yeah, wait till the session is over and we'll walk up to him and you ask your question. And we did that. And he said, why don't you guys come with me? We got to go over to this other hall. It's going to be about a 10 minute walk and we'll talk about your question on the way over. 
So in our sport, um, I think it's, it's not only a recommendation, but I think it's important to go and meet these people and just go and ask them something, you know, what do you think about this? And you take in their answer, you remember their answer, and then go research what they said and see if it holds any weight. <laughs> you know, and that's what that's what Juana does. She's uh, obviously she knows her way around uh, the research world, so she can she can hear somebody say something that may be good or bad. And there's a lot of bad out there too. Sure. You know, somebody, somebody might say, yeah, I mean. I don't even want to give an example, but um, well, no, it's, let's pick not, on it's not needed. We're good. Let's pick on punishment, okay? Because yeah, you and I okay. are in the same field. Of that. Yeah, yeah. Every time you every time you miss a serve, you have to do ten push-ups. Well, it's not hard to to go and do a little bit of research and find out that's a really bad way of learning how to pass. Right. <laughs> you know. So I think the lesson I learned from Juana there was. Uh, just, you can't be afraid of the people in our sport and mostly, uh, even more so on the boys side, they just want everyone to be better because it helps their sport. But on the girls side too, you can ask questions. I've done it with all the, all the big names. I guess I won't name any of them, but imagine Imagine the big names. Right, right. <laughs> been enough yeah. places where you just walk up to them and just start a conversation and say, hey, you know, what do you think about this? Or how'd you know when it was time to retire? What were you thinking when you switched your lineup in, you know, 2017 to a 6-2? Or, and they'll talk about it. Uh, the one name I guess I'll drop was, uh, Mark Rosen at, at Michigan, I was at ABCA and I was just walking down the hall and he had given a presentation. I, I just mentioned to him that I really like what you're doing at Michigan, even though I'm a Wisconsin fan and it hurts me to say, and, uh, he stopped me for a half hour and he did, he talked for most of the half hour. Nice. And I got, I got a ton of good stuff out of him. So I, I, I think that's what I would love to have heard want to talk about just, yeah. you know, even if you don't have that bravery, uh, which she obviously does, although she couldn't find her way on the podcast today. Oh, let it go. Uh, man. <laughs> uh, you know, you, you just have to have that bravery in our sport, I think. And that's, that's a way to get yourself to be better. Yeah. Pretty. And, you know, and uh, thank you, Ruben, for the comment. Uh, we, we, we're glad you enjoyed the episode. And, uh, you know, we we just want coaches to think about stuff and, and also to share experiences because sometimes coaches wonder, is, is, is it me? <laughs> you know, does anybody else go through this? And uh, sometimes it's good to hear that, yeah, we do. And uh, uh, we have um, days when... You know, uh, it's interesting, the team we played the other day, I had interviewed to maybe coach their JV. Of course, their JV beat my JV pretty handily. And I'm like, okay, I guess maybe you got a better coach, you know, uh, but whatever. You know, it's one of those, hey, um, we all have to get better. And, you you know, don't doubt yourself. Just keep learning. And 
uh, you and your team will get better. And uh, that's, you know, that's especially important on days when you feel like, you know, and I've had days where I go, do I really want to keep doing this? And, you know, I think back to my first year and I was about to give up about halfway through the year because I had the parent from hell. And, um, uh, God, I forgot John's last name, but he was a coach at a college of DuPage for a while. And, and I, I was a rookie coach and I'm talking to him and I'm going, I don't know if this is right. And he just said, look, we need good coaches. We need you to stay in the coaching game. Don't let, don't let this discourage you. You're, you're, you know, just keep going. And, and it, it was the kind of encouragement I needed from somebody at that point in time and might've changed my coaching career, um, direction. Cause I might've just said, oh, no, I don't need this. So yeah. though you never know when that little piece of, you know, light is going to come and shine on you. And if you can be open to it, it, it can really help you out. Matt McShane did that for me. Uh, again, I was out in Colorado Springs and we just went through a session. I had, had a present a drill and he pulled me aside and we started talking and he just, uh, he said a couple of things, uh, to me that really helped. Um, so I, I think, uh, and it and wasn't, he doesn't even know it. It. It, it didn't have anything to do with volleyball. It was yeah. just, you know, getting your head straight because he yeah. had been through it all at that point. Um, if you don't know Matt, look him up, but, um, he, he just, he was really kind to me, said a few things that uh, were remarkably helpful uh, to me. And you never know where you're going to find that. So you got to reach out to those people. They can, yep. they have some good stories and good stuff. Well, we will be back, uh, you know, players to be named later. Uh, and uh, yeah, and then we'll see where we go. BJ, thanks very much for today. Uh, Ruben, thanks for your comments. We appreciate that. And uh, we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening. You can catch other episodes of our Talking Volleyball podcast on Spotify, Apple, and Google, or watch us live or recorded on the Coach Steve YouTube channel.